Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome, everybody. We are excited for today's conversation with Dr. Roseanne, who is a new colleague. And the first thing I said when we met each other was, how is it that we've never met each other before? I'm so excited to have this connection. Um, Dr. Roseanne is a mental health trailblazer. She is the founder of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health and a media expert who is changing the way that we view and treat children's mental health. So as you can tell, she's, she's, she's already one of our new best friends. Her work has helped thousands reverse some of the more challenging conditions that, that families are facing with our complex kids, not just ADHD, but anxiety, mood issues, Lyme disease. That's been so big in the last couple of years, pans and pandas, which we're seeing a lot more in our community as well. And she's all about using proven holistic therapies, evidence-based natural solutions. And so we're really excited to move into a conversation with you today about the work that you're doing, the changes that you're making for for children and their families. One of the things we discovered in our pre-conversation is that Dr. Roseanne works with the kids and we work with parents and it's kind of a nice little synergy. So I'm really excited to have this conversation. Um, Diane, you want to kick us off? Yeah, so um, Dr. Roseanne, why don't you start by talking a little bit about how you came to this work and the work that you do with families of complex kids? Yeah, well, thank you for that awesome introduction. I'm really excited for this conversation and, you know, whenever we can help parents open their eyes to possibilities and create belief when we're feeling so scared because when our kids are struggling, all of us, I'm a special needs mom times two, you know, it nothing else seems to matter if your kid is struggling. And so I'm always saying, which is the title of my book, it's going to be okay because there are so many resources out there and, you know, podcasts like this makes such a huge difference in parents' lives and really helps to change the trajectory of kids' lives by opening up. So, you know, how I decided to do this work and become a psychologist and a therapist, it really started for me as a calling. When I was five years old, my mom's friend, Angela, I recall, asked me what I wanted to be. And I told her a psychiatrist and I had no exposure to mental health. I'm the daughter of <laughs> Italian immigrant parents. And it just came, literally came into me. And as I got older, I realized that psychiatrists really just are people that offer medication solutions. And that's not what I wanted to do. I really wanted to guide people and show them the way. And um, when I was an undergraduate, I started working with kids and really fell in love with them because I found that a little bit of effort and attention could have such a dramatic effect on kids. And I was yeah. like, this is what I got to do. Yeah. And then 
because, you know, I'm Dr. Rowe and who I am, I'm always like, what's the solution? We're going to figure this out. I was working as a school psychologist and also had a private practice. And I just quickly got known as the person that you bring your kid to when you can't figure out what's going on. And so, right. Yeah, I that, that, would that, say that's on, sort of what is it? I feel that Dr. Rowe can help you. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the solution finder, the fixer. And I just got really complex cases. And, you know, this is actually my 30th year in mental health. I feel so privileged. But, you know, this was about 20 something years ago. And, you know, I started working on my own and, and, and then just eventually left working in a school because there was just such a need. And, you know, what I did even back then, what I knew wasn't working that there, I was always doing beyond talk therapy. You know, what we know about the brain is that talk therapy is completely ineffective if somebody has a stress activated nervous system. So you had to think outside the box. You had to bring movement in it. You had to do sensory work. You had to do play therapy. You had to do other things. But then even that got me to a point. And then I found neurofeedback. And even before then, I was doing homeopathy and supplements and nutrition and finding some some levels of success, always improvement to some degree. But it wasn't until I really found neurofeedback that it was just like found this game changer that regulated the nervous system. Um, So that's really how I started working with complex cases is really they found me. Yeah. And I I love it. I can totally relate to it. But you said something a moment ago about having your own special needs kids. So somewhere your journey must have blended with your work. Yeah. So, you know, of course, this is how it goes. I already, I, um, you know, was somebody who's very career focused and got married very young and we waited 10 years before we had kids. So I already worked with special needs kids. I already was working with people with Lyme disease. If you live in the Northeast and you're not actively learning about Lyme disease and helping people with Lyme disease, I actually think it's criminal as a therapist and a medical provider to not be supporting because these people are everywhere, whether you want to accept it or not. It's true. So 25 years ago, I got my first Lyme patient. I'm going to bring this back. So, so of course you have these kids, right? I'm super alternative. I mean, we were doing detoxification protocols before we had kids, like super clean eaters, you know, all this other stuff. And, And, you know, I have this kid and he came out very intense, right? Started talking at seven and a half months, was a really pretty happy kid, a terrible sleeper. Like it's an urban legend. I think these kids that sleep through the night, I'm just saying. (laughs) I I actually had one, Not, not, not two, but just one. Wow. And, um, anyway, long story short, my max, my 16 year old at 22 months, within six months, we realized got Lyme disease and multiple tick-borne infections. And, you know, 14 and a half years later, we're, we're still on this journey. Yeah. Um, and then, so he has, what we later realized is he's a kid with pans, right? Which is a toxic or a infectious disease trigger that creates, in his case, psychiatric issues. And so he's had waxing and waning period. They call it flares over the years. And then his brother, John Carlo, six, you know, five and a half years later, we decide, you know, have another kid because like it's hell, you know, having a kid with pans or pandas is hell. And he's as easy as 
kid you've ever met in your life, but he's dyslexic. So, um, and his dyslexia is like so secondary for him because we do very alternative types of education and he's just sort of thriving, but that's the way it goes. You think you're doing all these things and these kids find you, right? They come to you because you have, you know, everyone always is like, well, he couldn't, these kids couldn't have landed in a better place. And I was like, absolutely. But it's still hard. <laughs> yes, it is still hard, right? Yeah. So what do you think parents like? So we're, we're talking to you with, with a couple of hats on, right? You yeah. got the, you got the Dr. Rowe hat. Yeah. You got the parent hat. Like what do parents need to understand about their kids that they, that you often think that or experience that they might be missing? What do they need to See different. Yeah. Oh, there's so many things I want to say to that. But yeah. I think the first thing that parents have to just like, number one, you got to get the hell off the worry train. Okay. <laughs> We've all been driving the worry train at first it's at true. different times. Okay. And I get it. We've been there. All three of us have been there, but you got to get off. And people get caught in a worry loop and a negative thinking loop, and they don't believe, they don't see how their child can get better. And that is the 100% biggest limiter of your kid. I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. And it's something that I literally am dealing with every day with people that they, you know, are like, I believe this is going to work, but, but, Uh, and then, right. (laughs) <laughs> my so huge. I know, right? And my kid, oh, my kid got so much better. He's, you know, way more focused. His grades went up. His friends are like, but, but do you think it's time for medication? And I'm like, what the hell are we talking about? We just, you spent six years trying to get to this point, And now you're still talking about meds. Like they get so caught up that there's some type of quick fix. That's the other part of this. There yes. is no, as I have on my desk, a magic wand. Wait, you have a magic wand? That's so cool. There's no magic wand because we now, we think there is. So you have to stop that. You you have to understand that vertical, you know, healing isn't vertical. It's not a rocket. It's something that looks like the stock market. Right. Okay. That's really more of what it looks like. And that's okay. That's okay. Right. So belief Know that healing is not, you know, a rocket going to space, that it's not vertical, but it has a positive trajectory and you got to stick with your belief and you're going to stick with your consistency and really just start to understand that there, there are other things in the world that can do that you can do, like all these therapies we talk about in my book, it's going to be okay. And, you know, you, you really have to just consistently see that that is the power of what's happening in your kid to really believe. I, I honestly think that's just something that is so hard for parents. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's that it, because it's so hard, that's the core thing. It's like, it's easy to say, well, just don't worry, but that's at the core of everything. So at the core of a everything. huge part of what we talk about with parents, what I, I love this so much is this notion of creating a vision, like helping them yes. see what's possible instead right. of what's not possible. Hold the vision, right? Like the parents come in this place of desperation and, and our job is to help them find the inspiration right. so that they can be inspiring parents to their kids instead of freaked out parents to their kids. Yeah. And, you know, part of that, part of that, and I'm always talking about hold the vision, adjust for the circumstance, right? Right. Love it. But the other part of this is that what is your vision, right? 
because a lot of times parents come in and they're like, I want my kid to be happy and healthy. But the bottom line is really, they're only going to be happy if their kid's a straight A student. Right. right? Yeah. And so they want to <laughs> fit them in the box, fit them in the yes. box. And I think so many of our kids, right, are unique. So like my John Carlo, I talk about him all the time. He's my, he's my 10 year old. He literally like, I'm, I'm basically carting marriage offers already because he's just so fabulous. fabulous. And his father is so fabulous. He's just such a great, he's just such a thoughtful kid. He's so thoughtful. And I, you know, will save everything written about him. And he doesn't see himself as a dyslexic. Like the other day we were coming home from the car and he's like, I'm just so smart, mom. You know, and I thought I have done my job right. Yes. This is a kid who had some pretty serious dyslexia. He doesn't even under, he doesn't see himself as that. He sees himself as this wonderful kid, this really smart kid why? Well, I didn't do traditional schooling for him. And, you know, I, and, and not everybody can afford to put their kid in a private school. I got one kid that's homeschooled, another kid that goes to a private school. And it's a very unique school that hones on your strengths. And so he has these unbelievable strengths. He's such a good friend. He's so accepting and great communicator. He's a off the charts, hands-on skills. And so I put him in a school that's like all hands-on. It's a democratic process school. He loves to do the right thing. So it's like perfect for him because, you know, he, he, he always is that dyslexic and doing the right thing. Yep. So finding your kids' strengths and supporting that, I know we want to believe we do that, but so many of the struggles that I see kids having is because they're saying like, He's got to have this. She's got to do this. And then parents, it feeds into the worry. And I think when you break free and say, I'm not going to do this. It's like my neighbors always say, why did you join the country club? I was like, I'll be kicked out in three days. Okay. (laughs) It's not for me. You you know, I'm going to be like, what are you doing feeding the kids chicken nuggets? Like we're a country club. You got to get some good food for them. You know what I mean? Like I would start getting in conflict. It's not for me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking you down if you're in a country club, but I know where my strengths are. Now you had a holistic country club. How about a special needs holistic country club? I don't care where it is. I'm flying to it. Right. (laughs) Well, and what's coming up for me is that, you know, we say this a lot about our, our world, our school system is this sort of when our kids are challenged, Instead of focusing on the things they do well, we focus on trying to improve the things that are struggling right, right. with, right? And so what you've been able to do and what you're recommending is even if you do some of that, make sure you're focused on giving your kids an environment and exploration around the things that they love. and You know, and that's such a great point, Diane, because like for 20 something years, I did neuropsych testing and no, I don't do it now. And no, you can't pay me enough money to do it at this point. My last case is working through federal court. Just saying, because people- okay. And what did I do? I did not do a typical eval. I sat parents down and was like, look, I'm going to talk to you about all the things that are wrong so that we can get X, Y, and Z in school or whatever, make a program. But I want you to hear what is right with your kid. And I'm also going to tell you in this eval what your kid should, should do for a living and how you're going to cultivate that. And they would be like blown away. And we do have to balance that, Diane. Like what are their strengths? What are their aptitudes? What are their needs? Just like that IEP page, okay? 
I'm thinking about, so one of my kids is also dyslexic and, and she was at a special needs school for a couple of years. Yeah. And what was amazing about it was that, yes, they were working with, with her to help her learn how to mm-hmm. read and write English. That was kind of important. Um, but they also had her in an accelerated math group. And like she could, her calm down thing when she was stressed out in the classroom was to have Sudokus, right? So they totally played to the strength so that she saw, as you described, she saw herself as a smart, capable kid rather than only seeing herself as the. That's right. Yeah. In a world where everyone feels like they're perfect, you know, with Facebook (laughs) and, you know, all this other stuff, it's really hard on kids today. I think that's the biggest trend that I've seen in the 30 years. Like, it's just so hard to be different. And it was always hard to be different as somebody, of course, who was different. But growing up, but I grew up in the 70s and 80s, it was pretty easy to be different in the 70s and 80s. You you were allowed to be different, right? I guess it depends on where you grew up. Yeah, that's true. Well, so, I'm not sure that was true for me. Yeah. Yes. So, Dr. Rowe, we've been talking about kind of a couple of ways for parents to have a more powerful impact on their kids. We yeah. About watching the worry, knowing about the trajectory of, of yeah. getting of healing, and then this whole sort of focusing on their strengths. What are some of the other things that parents can do to have a more powerful impact on their kids? You know, I think one of the so when we talk about trends, like I like to talk about what what do I see as something that is really hurting our kids that parents can have a dramatic impact. So our kids today don't have coping skills. They have very low stress tolerance. And there's a direct correlation in the way that we're parenting and the helicoptering we're doing with our dramatic increase in anxiety and other clinical issues. But anxiety is the biggest issue that I've seen. And now the average age of uh, anxiety disorder is age six now. Mm-hmm. Right. And Especially I think in the last couple of years. Last couple of years. I and mean, that's pre-pandemic. Yeah. So parents making tweaks to how they talk to their kids to really flip that dialogue so kids can gain coping skills is a really powerful, powerful tool that parents are not aware of and they don't know how to implement, right? And so I talk a lot about it, you know, in my book and a lot of my work. And so what does that look like? What does that mean? It means an example. Right. So when we, what's happening is we are accommodating our kids. We are saying, oh my gosh, honey, you got to see, I'm calling the teacher. I'm going to find out why (laughs) she gave you a C. Not that you earned it. Not that you earned it. (laughs) Right. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Don't you worry about it. This is a normal thing. In America, oh, they're now parents are now calling employers for kids in their twenties. I mean, this Hello? has become a, a, its own kind of pandemic. Right, what you're describing. So that's a big thing. But really, what would happen if your kid came in and said, "I'm very upset that you got to see this is how you teach them to cope." You say, "Oh, you got to see." Okay, uh, what do you? Why do you think you got to see? You don't have to yell at them. You don't have to say, "Oh, I think I got to see." I don't know. Okay, well, the last time you got an A. What did you do differently? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, well, I studied. I had flashcards. Okay. Did, so you didn't do that this time. Okay. What do you think you need to do the next time? Okay. Yeah. Do you need any help with that? No. Okay. Great. And you have to, we are not letting our kids have mini failures. And so when big things happen, hello, hot mess, fall apart. 
I just have to point out that you have just demonstrated our model that we teach parents. Oh, good. It started with, with, so stage one is directing, stage two is collaboration. In collaboration, you start asking questions. You ask lots and lots of questions yeah. to gauge, engage with them, get their agency and their buy-in. And then you said, how can I support you? You moved into stage three, which is support. So you have right. just fabulously modeled. Well, and you know, here's, thank you. I'm so glad. Thank so, you so and you know, the research says, you know, one of the most effective styles of parenting is autonomy, supportive parenting. We right. need independent thinkers, people. Okay. Right. And that comes with some freaking failures. Okay. Right. And I think parents are so well-meaning. I mean, you guys are working so hard. Every parent needs like, who's had a kid that they had a homeschool in the pandemic. You need a purple heart for crying out loud. Yeah. But they don't understand that these little flips to get your kid to problem solve, to reinforce their tolerating uncomfortable emotions, because that's a big part of this is that, you know, what's the psychology of this is that we don't want our kids to experience uncomfortable emotions, right? Anxiety, uh, grief, uh, upset. These are normal emotions. And when you let your kids experience them, not live there, but experience them, they find ways to cope and they are way better at managing other issues, small issues, big issues, and medium issues. And our job as parents is to prepare them to be independent, not to be a straight A student people. Well, and the thing is for you, for me, because this whole thing of failure, and, and especially if you've got a kid with executive function issues, like a lot of the parents I know that are listening do, a lot of us think, okay, well, if I let them fail, they'll do better next time or they'll try harder next time. But what you're saying is the failure isn't about the motivation. The failure is about helping them develop the coping skills. And what I love about what you, you modeled was you're working with the child to learn from it and not expecting them to just learn from it because they, sometimes they just won't. In our framework, we call it failing forward. Right. I love that. And, yeah. and, you know, let's talk about this, right? Because I'm always like nerdy brainy, you know, nerdy brainy stuff with Dr. Rowe, right? Like, what's the science behind things? Like, you know, everything I do is science informed. I got 40 pages of research citations, single spaced in my book. Like, I don't mess around because I want people to know we got to think about how we support kids and parents and we need to look at the research. Okay. Right. And that's what's guiding us. So when your work is research informed, right? right. Um, exactly. And so what happens? happens in learning, right? So automatic learning and innate learning where you don't have to think about learning, like driving a stick shift, you have to do something 34 times to master it at an automatic level. For a child with ADD, a child with learning problems, emotional problems, it's a minimum of three times that amount that they have to practice. Like a hundred. A hundred. And I always remember, I've been telling parents this for like 20 years. And I remember they're like, thank God you said that to me. Cause I felt like, right. you know, I'm always saying the same things. So no, just like you said, Elaine, it's not an instantaneous. Like I have one kid, my little dyslexic, there's many things that he can do. That's like, I don't even have to finish a sentence. He's got it. You know right. what I mean? But then there's other times where his dyslexia shows up like somebody's name or, you know, some other component and it will show up in this way. And he'll, his birthday, he could not memorize his birthday forever. 
but he could he could come in and I could put something down in a weird place in the house. And he was like, oh, mom, you left it in the second drawer or behind the other thing. He wasn't even paying attention. And he's the guy that has a location memory that's off the charts. So right. we have to honor what our kids' strengths are. We have to honor where, where their weaknesses are. And we have to work with that. Parenting is teaching. Right. It's not punishment. Right. Exactly. So it's hard to believe that we need to start wrapping up the conversation because it feels like we just got started. We could talk to you for hours. Is there anything else you want to share that you hope parents will take away from today? Because there's a lot of gold nuggets. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, we work with parents of kids that are struggling, whether it's attention, learning, or behavior, right? And so many kids are struggling, you know, and know that, you know, one in two kids in America, 10-year-old research has a physical or a mental health problem. It's not as unique, right? And what I just want to say to parents is like, first of all, consider evidence-based holistic therapies, right? Like open your mind to things like neurofeedback, biofeedback, very specific types of psychotherapy or parenting work, whatever you're doing, stick with it. Have faith that it will work and do the work. Don't expect it to be a miracle. These things can be miraculous. They can change the life of your child, but you have to be part of it. You have to believe and you have to be like, okay, this didn't happen overnight. It's not going to get fixed overnight. And if you really want to get to the root cause, you really want to get to those underpinnings that are, are causing these uh, neurological habituations, these behaviors to happen over and over, you've got to be consistent. And now you understand why that your kid can't learn at the same rate. I don't care if their IQ is a 137. Okay. They still can't flush the toilet, put their stuff away or follow five step directions. That's going to impact them. So we've got to get to the, that, those pieces that are underneath it and teach them in a different way. And that means being consistent. And and that's where the belief and hope comes in. Because if you see it, you visualize it, you hold that vision, you can create a totally different life for not just your kid, even your family, you can stop this friction. I mean, you know, kids with learning challenges or attentional challenges, it's hard. It's frustrating. You think sometimes it's the purposeful their behavior. You know, I'm here to tell you that nine times out of 10, your, 10, your kid's behavior is never purposeful. Maybe on a subconscious level, they're acting and repeating. But so just be consistent, pick treatments that are effective and don't jump to medication first. It has the least efficacy despite what pharma is telling you. And I just want to open up the possibilities to let people know that there are so many things from supplements to whatever it is. There's lots of things that can help your kids focus and learn and, and regulate, you know, it's all about regulating the nervous system. That's the basis of my work. Love it. Thank you. So how can people find out more about you? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So I'm Dr. Roseanne everywhere. So if you're listening, it's D-R-R-O-S-E-A-N-N and that's .com. I'm on TikTok, YouTube, um, Instagram (laughs) there. And if you're interested in my book, you can go to itsgonnabeokay.com. And you can, when you put in your receipt that you bought your book, you get a bunch of free gifts. 
including those coping statements. So um, I have a list of over 100 coping statements that most of the time parents print out multiple copies and you can get that for free. Awesome. Great resources. Great resources. Thank you, Dr. Roseanne. So as a wrap up, what we'd love to do is to have you share a favorite quote, a favorite motto, something that, that really sticks for you that you want parents to remember. Well, there's so many quotes and mottos that I love that, you know, it's like hard, hard for me, but I would say, you know, my quote is I tell every parent it's going to be okay. And that's why I titled my book. It's going to be okay because they need to know it's going to be okay. okay. Yeah. (laughs) And I really say that genuinely to people because I've been on the other side, like where you are again, I'm driving the worry train. And so when you partner with somebody to help your child and, you know, you really believe that it's going to work things, there's just so many solutions out there and it's the right treatment at the right time in the right order. And it can make such a huge difference. And, you know, parents feel like they're a failure because their kid is struggling. I mean, Hello, I'm Dr. Rowe. And I've had, you know, my kid has been, has struggled or whatever. There's things that happen, right? And it just means you have to have belief, whatever it is, you have to have a great tribe. And, you know, there's so much more, even if you feel like you've done everything, I promise you, you haven't. Yeah. Well, I love that. I love the quote. It's, it's all going to be okay. And I'm going to trumpet and take it a step further. And the one I love is, it's going to all be okay in the end. And if it's not yet, if it doesn't feel okay yet, it's not the end. Well, and I was playing with, as you were saying, um, talking about belief, what was coming to me is if you believe you can or you can't, you're, you're absolutely right. right. <laughs> Your brain will believe anything you tell it. This is what happens. Our subconscious is running the show. So tell it good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Dr. Roseanne. Loved our conversations, ladies. We have too, very much. And thanks everybody for being here with us. Thanks for all you're doing for yourself and for your kids. Remember, you're making a difference. Hi, everybody. Once again, back to school in another year of we don't know what to expect, except We do, because we know our kids with complex issues are going to struggle with transitions and anxiety and avoidance, and that we're going to be dealing with life-work balance. So join us for our annual free webinar, School Success 2021, where we'll offer inspiration, positivity, and strategies specific to school this year. You can register at impactparents.com slash school 202021. Join us for mystery gifts, and we'll see you soon. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.